Welcome to the Lead Worship Well podcast. I'm your host, Chris Baker. Today, I'm excited to welcome Dwan Hill. Dwan is a three-time Grammy Award-winning, two-time Dove Award, and two-time ASCAP Rhythm and Soul Award-winning songwriter, producer, and musician. On today's episode, Dwan and I are going to be discussing something that's near and dear to my heart, the impact and influence of the gospel choir. Let's jump into today's episode. Hey friends, welcome to the Lead Worship Well podcast. I'm your host, Chris Baker, and today I am thrilled to have this special guest, Dwan Hill. Dwan, let me tell you, this this dude has all the hardware, y'all. He has three Grammys. (laughs) He has two Doves, two ASCAP Rhythm and Soul Awards. He's a songwriter, he's a producer, a musician, uh, a church leader, and he's based out of Nashville. Dwan, man, how are you doing today, brother? I'm great. I'm great, Chris. Thanks for having me, man. Glad to hang out awesome, today. Awesome, awesome, man. Well, listen, I, I want to get right in. There's a lot that, that God is doing in your life uh, through your, your ministry and music. And so I want to just dive right in, man. So let's start. I like to start from the beginning. What was your beginning in music? Yeah, man. Well, I often say I my grandfather, both grandfathers were, were pastors. Oh, okay. One grandfather was a Baptist pastor on my dad's side. And my other grandfather, my mom's side, was a Pentecostal pastor. And I always joke, I don't know how I survived that childhood, but <laughs> the, the Baptists and the Pentecostal got together. Yeah, man, that's an interesting mix there. They, we, you know, that typically doesn't mix well. <laughs> I know, man. I know, I know. So I started off, you know, in the church, yeah. playing music. All my cousins, my siblings, my parents, okay. everybody was in music. I mean, for us, music was like, you know, playing basketball or eating dinner. Wow. I mean, it was just so basic. So I fell in love with music pretty early. I chose to follow the Lord pretty early. So my faith and music have always been very tied together. Okay. Did choir and band in, in high school when I moved to Nashville to go to Belmont University, which is a university here in town that specializes in music and uh, majored in music education there. I thought I was going to be a choir teacher, ironically, wow. like a choir teacher. But uh, I did one semester of student teaching in a public school <laughs> and decided I would never teach in a public or even school. That's my story as well. I I did, I studied classical music and I was doing music education and I did it for one semester, the whole teaching thing. I said, nope, nope, that's not, not mad props to all of the teachers out there, but that's what what I wasn't called to it. So go ahead, man, finish telling us the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My wife is a teacher too. And so, Hearing her stories confirm what my calling was not. (laughs) It's a special grace on it, man. (laughs) Yeah, man. And so after that, I ended up going on the road instead. I was on the road for about 10 years playing for different artists. And during that time, we started a a church here in town. That's when things kind of started to, you know, I thought that I was just going to be just doing music. Mm -hmm. But around that time, I felt like God gave me more specific assignments in teaching and speaking and writing and producing and um, leading in church. And so I was really grateful for that season. And then after that, all kinds of things started started going going differently. But that's kind of the basic summary, man. That's that's the Cliff Notes version. Wow. Wow. So you grew up playing, grew up in music background in church, go to school, hit the road. Yeah. And, you know, we can have a whole podcast talking about the road, man, because yeah. it's a whole nother thing, bro. <laughs> That's right, man. It's a whole different life. Yeah, whole sure. different life. You come off the road, you launch a, was it a, you said a church or a ministry? Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, my friend Alvin and his parents okay. started a church called Nashville Life Got Church. Cece Wines and her husband. Love yeah, them, so man. 
was there for about nine years, man. It was awesome. Awesome. Wow. That's incredible. That's incredible. So you are producing and writing and doing so much in the industry. And uh, tell us about uh, your partnership with our friends at Integrity and the kinds of songs yeah. that you're writing, you know, for the church. Talk yeah. about that. Yeah, man. Integrity has been an uh, incredible supporter and group of friends. Um, actually, National Life Music um, and Integrity did a, a couple of projects together. And that's how I met Integrity. Okay. They were so gracious to sign me as an individual writer. And with that relationship, we started, you know, writing for different artists. And one of the main things that's been really exciting for me, they they established this new artist called Revere, mm-hmm. which is focused on reverential worship songs directed to God. You know, there's a lot of songs that are great songs about us and what we feel right. and what we believe. But we wanted to add more songs to the church repertoire about how holy and, and good mm-hmm. and faithful God is without much reference to us. (laughs) It's actually a global, global movement. We've, you know, flown to Sweden to write songs Mm -hmm. there. People have flown in from Brazil and and England and all parts of the world uh, to write these songs. And it's really been a great kind of melting pot of culture and sound. That's been really cool. Wow. Wow. So, you know, you you was talking about, I call her Auntie Cece. She's incredible. And Alvin, Mm -hmm. he's like the godfather. I'm telling you, that is the definition of a great man. He he really, he really is. So you co-produced and co-wrote Believe For It uh, with Cece. And let me, that's been like the top of our charts and one of the greatest gospel releases. It's been incredible. It's been impacting the church and the world. I want to ask you this question. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that song has had such a sustained connection? Oh, man. Well, I think there's a couple things. It came out at a time in our world history, not just American world mm-hmm. history, where people were desperate for something true to hold on yeah. to. Uh, we were coming out of 2020 with all the things. Make the list of the things in that year in 2021. I think the song came out in 2021. We actually recorded it like at the very end of the lockdowns. So we were just barely able to have people gather. Okay. We had a lot of protocols and, and masks and all the things. But I think that at that time in history, people wanted to have faith in anything, mm-hmm. honestly, in anything. And I think that song pointed a very clear direction to if you don't put your faith in God, we're not going to wow. make it. Wow. Um, and I think Cece is, is beyond being one of the greatest singers of all time. Her faith in God and her personal testimony about her faith in God is anointed because she believes, she believes it. it. Ironically, you're not listening to someone saying who is making up their own story. Yes. She believes in the story of Christ. She believes in the faith that her family has represented mm-hmm. for generations. Yeah. And I think the need of the world and her, her belief in God was a dynamite combination, man. And um, I think the song itself, the way it feels is very encouraging. The music and the melodies are lifting. And I just think it was just a not anything we did in and of ourselves. I think God used our talents and abilities and the team that we yeah. had and just blessed it, man. It, on the receiving end of it, as a listener, you know, I, like I said, I grew up in church, you know, PK, the whole nine. And yeah. the thing I think, Duane, that resonated with me was I grew up hearing about the miracles. Mm-hmm. I actually grew up, my mom, Pentecostal, so I've seen, you know, the miracles. I've seen it all. Mm-hmm. But just through life, man, I kind of gotten, you know, not, I don't, I hate to use the word jaded, but it was like, mm-hmm. 
where are these miracles that we grew up seeing? You know, it's not like God has changed. And and really one thing that that when I heard the song, it resonated with me was it's not that God has changed, but sometimes our belief and our perspective on how big he is has been so minimized that we're mm-hmm. like, yo, you know, we, we serve a big God. And so to listen to those lyrics, the thing that impacted me was it resurrected my belief that this wow. God that we serve, he's a big God. Wow. He can blow our Amazing. minds. He's still, you know, healing the sick. So I'm going to tell you, it was, it resonated wow. so strongly with me. And it was, you know, you guys know it's impacted the world. So great yeah, success yeah. on that song. And, and, and it's incredible. I a lot of testimonies from that. Yeah. I mean, one, one testimony was uh, there was a church service that was praying for someone who had a, a tumor. I believe it was a brain tumor. Yeah. The worship team was singing this song while they prayed for them and believing that God would heal yeah. them. And they went to the doctor, I believe, the next day or the next week, and they couldn't find the tumor. Wow. And so we don't sit in rooms and write songs thinking about yeah. that. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like it that's the grace and the and the Absolutely. mercy of God to use a song to radically change someone's life. And so I'm humbled by it yeah. and in awe that God can use something so small as music and use it to do something miraculous like heal somebody or encourage your family, man. I mean, it's those stories that show that music and particularly gospel Christian music is still needed, man. We still need more and more of it. More and more and more and more and more of it because it was the thing that that most of us, we held on to when we could That's not right. see hope, when we could not see hope That's in so right. many other aspects of our lives, we were able to hold That's on to our faith and the fact that God is real. Uh, come on, so, man. You preach it now. You preach it now. Come on, man. Dude, oh, I'm excited about this because we're talking about gospel music. And of course, this is Black History Month and and all that, yeah. that that entails. I'm excited because a year ago, you launched this incredible endeavor called The Choir Room. Mm-hmm. And and it has grown to over a thousand singers and it started. And yeah. I think you said the first time y'all met, it was over a hundred and something people there. And yeah. then it just every time you came back, bro, tell us about this inception of this initiative and 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 where it is today. Talk about it. Yeah, man. I mean, it's another miracle, man. Like I said, I grew up in yeah. church and knew new choir firsthand. It wasn't something someone told me about. We were in choir rehearsal Tuesday night, Friday yeah. night, Sunday. I mean, it was always. And so it's inside of me. And then when I moved to Nashville, uh, honestly, to work and to make a career at that time, 20 years ago, gospel music and choir music wasn't really what people were wanting. Um, And so I kind of pushed it aside and just kind of did the genres that allowed me to make a living. And then, I don't man, about four years ago, I just got this, I don't know, just a hunger and a, a nostalgic pain about where is all this gospel choir? Where is where is Andre Crouch and Walter <laughs> Hawkins and even Fred Hammonds and Kurt Franklin's and you know Pace Sisters? Where are these songs that, to your point, got us through some of the hardest times? And I just put an Instagram post. I talked to some friends of mine, put an uh, Instagram post up, and said, "Hey, if anybody feels like this, where you feel like choir music, and particularly gospel choir music, is something that you miss and want to do again, just meet me." At Belmont University, they gave me this room. And let me back up, because I, I I when I got the idea, I was like, Lord, I don't have time to do a choir. Like I'm, <laughs> I just don't have time. I said, but I will do it. I will try and do it if you give me a nice room with the organ and the piano in it. 
And I just kind of lobbed that prayer to your point about miracles. I was like, man, if God does it, he wants me to do it. If he doesn't do it, then obviously I'm off the hook. Well, I called, uh, I was talking to a studio engineer and I said, hey man, I'm looking for a room. I know you guys might have a piano. I was just wondering, do you guys, would you be open to maybe a small group? He was like, yeah, you know what? We just have this organ over here in the back corner. Mm -hmm. You guys want to use that? I was like, oh no, I have to do this now. Like God, God actually so came it, through on his on his on his word to do. He actually is true to his word. He's faithful. Who knew? So I was like, I got to do it now. So I put an Instagram post up. I said, if anybody's interested, free, no charge. I'll even bring food, and we'll meet at the studio. I thought, man, twenty people would show yeah. up. I mean, this is my little Instagram account. Who cares, bro? A hundred people showed up to that first one. Wow. So much so that we couldn't fit everybody. We had another one a month later, and that was almost 200 people. And then it just kept going, man. I, I say I stumbled upon this, but I really do believe choir is God's idea, yeah. man. There's choirs all through scripture. Yep. There's choirs for eternity singing, holy, 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 worthy is a lamb. And I just think the, the most common response you've had from people are two things. It feels like heaven. The sound of that choir, the sound of the choir in general feels like heaven. And particularly the gospel music that we're singing needs to be back at, at the forefront of Christian music. And so, yeah, man, we had our anniversary last year, had 700 people at Belmont University. 700? Um, 700 people showed Whoa. up. Yeah, man. A little over 3,000 people on the email list yeah. that we built over about a year and a half. And again, man, none of this is like, let's build a choir. <laughs> let's build a business. Honestly, it's forced us to actually think about it. Um, we, we formed it into a nonprofit recently just because we needed somewhere to funnel donations. People started donating yeah. money that I couldn't put in my checking account. <laughs> so we started donating to different organizations. We've, we've met at the National Museum of African-American Music downtown. We've met at um, Food Court downtown in, in Nashville. Yeah. I mean, it's just been crazy, man. And uh, the diversity and age and ethnicity yes. and denomination is God's doing, yeah. man. It really is. I just feel like I've been gifted with an opportunity, and I'm just not. I'm just not trying not to mess yeah. it up. To be honest, uh, it's, it's so great. Let's let's talk about. You know, I want to go back to you know when you were growing up and that sound. I looked at a, an interview and Calvin was talking about Calvin Noel, great guy, man. He said something. He said it was a choir rehearsal that, you know, we we learn how to refine our vocal, how to sing. You know, they, you know, as a musician, that is where I learn how to play, how to conduct a rehearsal, how to, you know, to deal with people. Uh, and, and people were coming in with all types of issues. You know, everybody wasn't always, oh, I'm ready to be here. There were some people right. coming in that were broken and they couldn't wait to Sunday for their breakthrough. Yes, but it was God used that sacred space where we was coming yes, together to sing three-part harmony and, and sing these songs that people were encouraged. Growing up, what yes. were some of the choirs that you can say, man, mm. this takes me back to my childhood. This was influential in kind of helping me become who I am as a musician, as a songwriter. Yeah. Uh, who were some of those yeah. people that influenced you? Yeah, man. I mean, I remember singing in youth choir. We had those shiny 90s <laughs> blue on. shirts there. It was like terrible, yeah, the, the terrible. Bobby Jones uh, outfits, man. That's what we used to yeah, call them. Man, man, love them. Who thought that was a good idea? We did. We <laughs> Absolutely. Bought. But we were seeing Ricky Dillard, yeah. man. Which I got, I got an opportunity to hang out with Ricky Dillard not too long Genius. ago. That was really great. Ricky Dillard, Richard Smallwood, oh, bro. On. I would buy the folios of his music just so I could learn his piano. Playing. I don't want to push past Richard because <laughs> okay. by you going to school for music. 
you understand what I understand about the impact that that man had in in gospel music. Bring in choral music. I'm talking about secondary dominance. And it was really the way this stuff is supposed to be written. It was classical and gospel. And he found a way to merge those two worlds together. Genius. It's genius, man. It's genius, man. I mean, Total Praise has become an anthem for every denomination and type of choir. Um, and no one was doing no. that. And no one really has done it no. since. Like you said, his harmonies, his orchestration, his singers, he, I mean, his singing, yeah. it took, I mean, there's one song, it might be Angels Watching mm-hmm. Over Me. It's one of the songs on the record where he sings like falsetto. I thought one of his female singers did it and it took years. Like, that's that was Richard. Richard singing that. that was Richard. <laughs> He's crazy, man. And that, that actually, particularly him woke up. He was a great example because I went to an all white school. Mm-hmm. In high okay. school, and I went to an all black church at the same time. Okay, so okay. I would like I would have like my Fubu sweatshirt yeah. on, like Birkenstocks at the same time. It was weird. <laughs> so for our listeners, Fubu is for us by us. Okay, that was that was yeah. worn by particular, you know, African Americans in America. Okay, go ahead, bro. <laughs> yeah. yeah, thank you for clarifying that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like this African American yeah. brand with Birkenstocks, which Birkenstocks are back, by the way. I yeah, it's crazy. So I would have that outfit on, which represented kind of my childhood and my mm-hmm. life. Richard Smallwood was a musical way for me to express wow. that. Because at school, we would be seeing this choral music by Bach mm-hmm. and, you know, all these wonderful composers. And then I would drive 45 minutes to church and sing Ricky Diller. Yeah. And Richard Smallwood was kind of the crossroads of that experience. Mm-hmm. So I would say he's probably the biggest choir influence that I had in that time, both as a piano player and a choir director. Yes. And then on the straight up gospel side, you know, you have everybody, you know, Hawkins, Crouch, even Fred and his singers, Radical Christ, Kurt Franklin yeah. and his singer family. I mean, that was the 90s, that bro. Was, that Everybody had a group that was dazzle, shiny, yeah. and sing. Yeah, I think for me, bro, I go back to the days of the mass choir, like the Mississippi mass choir, the yeah, New Jersey yeah, mass yeah. choir, the DFW yeah, mass yeah. choir, like yeah, when yeah. Joe Page, Joe Page and, mass uh, choir, you know, yeah. uh, John Key and the yeah. VIP, you know, mass yeah, choir. This is when you yeah. had 75, 85, 100 people, you know, killing and incredible singing, you know, but that wow. marked my childhood. And wow. when I got older, of course, going to college, it was Richard. And then Donald Lawrence was another one, you know, that kind yeah. of wa- kind of yeah. lived in that space as well. Just true yeah. integrity to vocal music and choral music, right. where it wasn't just right. sing loud and it's vibrato and everybody right. just keep modulating, right. which I have nothing right. against that. I love that as well. Yeah. But they brought yeah. in another aspect of just like, oh, the week we can do this, too. That's you know, right. so That's love it. Yeah, man, I think I think what happened for the choir room is that a lot of people didn't, particularly non-African Americans, didn't grow up listening to the music you just described. And a lot of them, I believe, have felt like they were looking in the window, wishing they got in. So when the choir room started, most of our singers are are not black. It's probably 60% white, maybe 40% black. And so it doesn't sound like, yeah, it's not that sound. But... I think what I'm learning is there are still choir sounds to be heard yes, that we have not that we heard. haven't heard. And I think this particular season of time is it's a diverse sound because what the what everybody we just mentioned was basically all African American. Yeah. And so what I'm sensing the spirit moving us into is what does it actually sound like when Revelation describes like they heard a sound of a choir that sound like many mm-hmm. waters. And I think that's a, a great picture of, of what we can move into that Richard started, that Donald yes. started, that Joe Pace started, 
I mean, what would it look like if our songs and our sound represented the world yeah. or, or at least our local community yeah. and not just our house yeah. or just our church? And so I'm, I, so that's what I've been praying for, man. And even writing into that, like we're probably going to do some writing sessions this year that are intentionally focused on how can we write a verse and chorus that feels gospel, but also has other things in yeah. it, you know, because we're not a classical. I'm not trying to make a classical choir. Right. I'm trying to make a gospel yeah. choir, but I want the gospel choir in style. So what I mean by that is three-part harmony, rhythm in the yeah. band, uh, syncopated rhythms and singing. What I don't mean is only black people can yeah, sing it. That's so great. You know, we don't know what it is yet. We're, we're fishing at the moment to see what it's going to be. I, I think, Duane, that's the beauty. The beauty is in, um, and sometimes many of us, we don't start something that God has placed in our heart because we're like, we feel like we have to have all, it all together. I have to have it figured yeah, out. I have right. to have the complete plan. Right. And there are certain right. things, and there are certain things that God would drop in your spirit. And it's like, I just want, I'll, all I need is your yes. That's and, right. And we'll figure the rest out. We'll figure out how we're going right. to, how it's going to, that, right. that will happen organically because he will send right. the right people to you that will yeah. help you build this yeah. thing. A lot of questions I've gotten have been from worship leaders or worship pastors who are wanting to have some type of choir at their mm-hmm. church. Unfortunately, for a lot of reasons, choirs in churches have kind of dissipated. Yeah, that was going to be my next um, question, man. Why do you feel like it went away? <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, it's a lot of things. I think it's hard to keep a choir going when you don't care about the people themselves. Come on, man. The budgets don't support it. The volunteer time doesn't support it. It just takes work, yeah. man. But the question is, do we think the work is worth the benefit? Yeah, that's good. And I would say yes. Man, what you mentioned, I learned the Bible mm-hmm. in choir because I had to sing scripture and you know all that. I, I saw people get prayed for. I saw miracles, but provision happen. I saw people get healed. What has happened, a couple things, the songs that are being written for contemporary Christian Context are not written for groups of people to sing together. They're usually written for an artist to be forefront with people singing behind them. One thing that we can do is start writing songs that pulls some of that front man back and pulls people up to where verse one is a group and not an individual. Come on. So when's the last time you heard a song that started with With everybody everybody singing? That's so right. It's powerful. There's something powerful in that. And I think it's actually congregational. Ironically, all the worship pastors want the congregation to sing, but they start with one person. One, yeah. If you invite everyone from verse one, I think the ramp becomes easier. The second thing is, I think there has been, in a lot of good ways, a rise in production value and an increase of stage presence that I think is healthy and good. Mm-hmm. But what that has done, it has pushed normal, non-stage presence people, according to industry and social norms, to the back. So if you don't look the part, if you don't have the right clothes, if you're not the right age, you're not the right skin color, then you don't get platformed. And But what I'm saying is, what better place to put a diverse group of people than on the platform? You want to show your congregation or even invite your congregation to be on the platform. And this is the thing, man. God is so slick and genius about how he he's formed this choir. Not my choir, the, the choir yeah. in general. Because as soon as you look, for example, we have we meet in a round. We don't meet on a stage. So everyone is looking at looking around the room at their brothers and sisters versus looking up at someone. I don't think that's required at a church, but I think putting a choir on stage does the same thing. When I come to church and the first thing I see are people who look like me, either in age or shape or skin color, 
it tells me subtly and maybe directly that I'm welcomed here, that I have a place here, and that I have a part to sing. So when they start singing on stage to teach me a song, I'm like, I want to do that. And so I think if we have more songs that are written for congregational choir singing, that would help. And I think if worship pastors are willing to do the work to meet people, to hang out in lobbies and coffee shops and invite people to sing, even if it's five people, man, we I lead worship at a church here in Nashville. We have six campuses. Our main campus has a choir every month of about 30 people. Our satellite campuses have choirs about five people. Mm-hmm. And when I tell you, you would think those small campuses have 30 people yeah. or 100 people because those five people that show up feel so valued and loved. They're exuberant in worship. They're demonstrative in worship. And the culture of the congregation has changed in a very short amount of time because grandmas are up there, kids are up there. We have uh, two people in our Nashville choir that are the loudest singers in the congregation. Wow. And when I say loud, I mean loud and wrong. They're out of tune. (laughs) And they come to the 11 o'clock service and they sing louder than the sound system. Wow. You can hear them over the sound system. Yeah. When you first hear them, you're like, man, can we, like, we're security, bro. Like, But then we were convicted. We were like, so the worship leader every Sunday is asking people the to same. sing. These people are singing. They are actually the worship leaders. That 11 o'clock service is actually louder in volume over time because they go to that service. Wow. Not to cover them up, but because people are like, if they can sing. Surely I can. And let me tell you that this is not their identity, but they're too, they have Down syndrome. Mm. And so they don't care about anybody else in that room. I love it. So the pastor came to me and he said, hey, I want to put those two students in the choir. And so our worship team was like, (gasps) because in the choir on stage means they're under the microphone. Mm. Under the microphone means they're, they're going to be louder than what they already are. And we got convicted again. We were like, why would we limit who can be in the choir based on anything going on. If they want to worship the Lord, we got to figure it out. And we did. We just moved the mic over. We brought them on stage. And when I tell you, man, the testimonies that have come from people watching these two students raise their hand in worship despite the challenges and hardships, it's a game changer, man. And you wouldn't do that unless you had a choir, unless you had an open forum for people to get on stage. I could talk for days about that, man. I mean, it's It's a passion of mine for local churches. It's a passion of mine for culture. I think the choir represents everyone has a part to play. Everyone has a part to sing. And if we can believe that in Christ, there is no male, female, Jew, Greek, slave or free, that we are all one in Christ. And that when we sing together, whether we're professional or amateur or terrible, God loves that. He smiles at that, man. I think he blesses it. You use that word. He blesses it. Yeah. He, he blesses yeah. it. He breathes on it. He blesses it because I think when you get a group of people, you know, there's something about the power of agreement. Yeah, man, that's it. There's, there's, that's there's it. really something to the power of agreement. It's not just me and you agreeing. Okay, I like that. But when we are singing a song about the greatness that's of right. our God, and when you have that's five right. or 50, I'm going to yes, tell sir. you, there's something that sits down on that space, yes, on that sacred yes, space. Sir. And that is why I am so grateful that you said yes to God, to that, you know, God's nudging and and bringing that back, you know, like there, mm-hmm. there are a lot of places like where the choir never left. Well, that's probably in your part of the world or in your part of the country. But there are a lot right. of places where the choir now is just, okay, mm-hmm. 
That's we, right. But for you to say, no, there is a place, there is a space for it. And then for God mm-hmm. to say, okay, I'm going to show you that that I'm going to bless it. I'm going to breathe on it. And I'm going to wow. use that to be wow. a blessing to so many wow. people that may not have mm-hmm. been able to encounter me had not you said wow. yes. So, wow. man, I just want to take a moment and say thank you for yeah. saying that. And you talked wow. about the diversity. And mm-hmm. I, you know, while while the choir has its roots, the gospel choir has its roots, of course, in the black church. Mm-hmm. I do when you say when you when you went to Revelations, I said I know exactly where he's going. <laughs> because it's not gonna be a black choir singing. It's not gonna be no. a white choir singing, it's not gonna be a Hispanic choir, an Asian choir. It is everybody, no. all creeds coming together and singing Amen. holy, holy, holy. And, yes, and so with you, and I, I, I love the way you think, because you're saying, okay, these are people that didn't grow up singing Ricky Dillard or mm-hmm. the traditional gospel choir music. How are you being intentional about creating that space to where they can feel like, okay, I can be a part of this? Man, that's a great question. Honestly, I feel like God prepared me and our team from... My life since being as a kid had different types of people. Again, all white school, all black church. Mm-hmm. I don't have to make a strategy on how to relate to two, those two groups of people. They are my friends. Yeah. They are my family. I know them all yeah. the time. So I know their songs. I know what they like. I know their sounds. I know their, their preferences in music. And so when we plan the set for the choir room, I purposely, for example, we do like songs, you know, I Speak Jesus. Mm-hmm which came from the CCM yeah. side. But when you add a gospel three-part harmony, it's a different thing. And, so, and so, when you put that organ on top of it, you ain't slick when you say, give me a piano and an organ. I got you, dog. I knew exactly what that was. <laughs> it's, it's like a melting pot, you man. On, yes. So you, you bring the CCM or Christian contemporary Christian songs that most of them would know, mm-hmm. How Great Is Our God, How Great Thou Art, I Speak Jesus, Firm Foundation. You bring them into the room, but you have three-part harmony, organ, and piano. And I teach them parts. Like, I, there's no sheet music. So I'm like, Sopranos, your part is yeah. uh, alto, your part is blah. You're, and I teach them in the room. And then we stand up and sing. And we let we see what God wants to do. Sometimes that's five minutes. Sometimes it's 20 yeah. minutes. Then we sit down. I teach them the next song. We stand up and sing it. I mean, it's just very organic. And I, so basically the environment is like the black church. But sometimes the music and the songs are from the contemporary Christian white yeah. side. I think the next phase, like I said before, is to actually write songs originally that do the, they same, do the thing. same thing. I love that. So, because the thing is, I want to resource, let's say churches start supporting choirs again. I want to resource Brilliant. churches with songs that have uh, all types of color yeah. in them. You know, so it might be three part harmony with piano, or they might be unison with guitar, but there's still choir songs that you can sing in your church. Because right now, if I look for songs like that, I would basically have to change songs that are not written like that way. You would have to put on your producer hat. Yeah, and that, yeah, that, and everybody everybody can't do that. Even if they can, I know what it would be what it's like, what it's like to be a worship pastor with no I don't time. have the time to do that. So, yes. So what happens, for example, multi-tracks instead of just having band files, they have choir mm-hmm. files and they're resourced to the room and to the teams to where the whole song is actually packaged as a choir song. Wow, wow. We we have some products that we are uh, get ready to release, my friend, that is speaking the same thing that you're on. Yeah, cool, yeah, it's, it's innovative. Cool. I love the fact that it's, it's not just white, it's not that just black, 
but I was I was yeah. hearing on an interview watching a young lady, and she was like, and we we brought someone in. She was you know from a Hispanic sister, and it it was and Javi was playing perk, perk on that on that joint, and it was oh, nice. it was nice. crazy just to hear the nice. energy and just say yeah. this. That's the beauty of diversity. You don't yes, get sir. that when you just want one race. That's right. But when you are That's open right. and saying all race, all creeds come in and be a part of that is what you're, you went back and you said it is kingdom music, bro. I can keep That's here right. all day. There's something that you, you are doing. You have the choir room. It also it has a heart for the city. I love that. It's not just about bringing people in. You all are singing wonderful songs, but y'all are partnering yeah. and doing some amazing things in the community with uh, Preston Taylor Ministries. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So I went to church with a friend of mine named Dwight at that time. I think he still is, is a high level leadership there. And Learned about the ministry. It's an inner city ministry for kids, uh, really after school program. Okay. Yeah, man, we have so many people that come to the choir room that have a lot of resources. People who don't have a lot, and we have people who have a lot. And so we basically uh, raised money for them. What we try to do a couple ways, we'll either do a campaign fundraiser mm-hmm. that if you come to the choir room and donate, whatever you donate to the choir room goes straight to the organization. Wow. We've also done like reverse royalty where we will release a song and the first year of royalties from that song go to someone else and not to us. Wow. Love that, man. And honestly, we do that for a couple of reasons. One, we don't charge the choir room. No one has to pay for it. We do accept donations, but there's no ticket price. And second, I didn't want to release music on the backs of people who aren't getting paid. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So if you have 700 people in a room and the video and the sound looks great, but no one in that room makes money. I can't take that money because they didn't. It's just weird. So we decided as a team to take that royalty as much as we can and donate it to someone else. So it ups the value. So you come into the choir room. It's not just sitting in your seat to sing a song. You come into the choir room is actually helping inner city kids learn. Come on, man. man. So, again, God gave it to us, man. None of this stuff was like sat down, thought about, planned. He gave it to us in steps and stages, as you mentioned, as we stepped out in faith. He blessed it and opened doors. And we're excited, man. We're going down to South by Southwest in March to do their service. Hopefully doing a live recording in May, again, for purpose of resource. So we got some big things coming up this year, man. We'll keep you posted on how how it's going. Awesome. Awesome. Last question I have for you. How can people get involved, man? How can they get involved? Yeah, man. Oh, man. Well, we're we're talking about, first of all, you can go to uh, thechoirroom.co, thechoirroom.co. If you're in the Nashville area, you can come to a choir room. We're actually trying to go to different cities. We've been to Raleigh and Austin already. So I would say sign up on that list at thechoirroom.co. Anytime we have an event, you'll get an email about it. And then hopefully you can either come to Nashville and be here and join us, or we'll come to your city sometime soon. Either way, we're releasing a lot of music this yeah. year. So you'll, you'll, you'll hear a lot of new gospel music coming out of the choir room. Dude. Dude, super excited. And Dewan, and thank yeah, you so much man. for your time today. Thank you for your yes. Uh, people are yes, going to be tremendously blessed by this vision. Uh, and and yeah, so, man. man, I'm praying God's you know blessings on this thing as you continue to build it. And again, thank you so thank much for your time today and being a tremendous blessing to our friends oh, here thank at the Lead you, Worship man. Well podcast, bro. So listen, man, I know you're busy. Go about your day. Keep, keep doing what you're doing for God, man. We love you, bro. I'm praying God's blessings over your life, okay? Thank you for having me, man. Have a blessed. All right, brother.